Hi everyone, welcome to New Idea Live. Uh, this is the podcast of the Ironman's Institute. My name is Zimo Gowen. I'm a junior fellow. Uh, and today I'm with Tristan De Liege, uh, also a junior fellow. Uh, Tr uh, Tristan, hi. How are you? Hey Zimo, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I'm very excited for today's show because I think that we're going to talk about something very fundamental something very important for everyone or each individual. Uh, so we're going to talk about self-esteem. What is self-esteem? Uh, how to understand it? Uh, why we need self-esteem and how to achieve it? And one of the reasons why, why we want to talk about self-esteem is because it's not so uh, obvious what what it is and there are different conceptions different views of self-esteem that we think are fundamentally flawed and so on the one hand you have the view that self-esteem is not important uh that it's something bad uh some people uh, think that self-esteem is really just narcissism so there's matt walsh a very prominent very popular a uh, conservative commentator uh, who uh, created a video in which he says that he's uh, that he doesn't have self-esteem. Uh, he doesn't have self-esteem because he doesn't need that because self-esteem is something is something uh, immoral. Uh, even it's immoral because self-esteem means that you're that you think that you are better than other uh, people. On the other hand, you have a a different view that says that. Everyone has self-esteem. That we are born with self-esteem. It's something uh, innate. That self-esteem, you just need to realize your own worth, regardless of your actions. Uh, and so, in contrast to those two flawed views, we want to focus on Rand's perspective. We want to focus on it because we think that it's consistent. We think that it's a it's a powerful perspective on self-esteem that explains uh, how self-esteem is related to our core values, how it's related to happiness. Um, and, so, and so we want to show that there's a different view that is, uh, that is completely different than those two views uh, that are prevalent in the culture, or at least that you can find them quite uh, often. But there's also, another reason why we should care about uh, self-esteem right yeah absolutely and you know we will go into uh these contrasting views and i think it'll it'll come out more and more the more we talk about rand's view like why it's so distinctive and why she's in a position to give such a distinctive uh, perspective on it um based on her unique philosophical approach but uh if we think about from uh, the perspective of like, why should we care about this? Why should we care about uh, the issue of, you know, how we value ourselves? And we, we will define it um, in a moment. So we'll be more specific about that. But really, if you're thinking about it from the perspective of like your life as a whole and the character of your life and how you feel about your life, um, self-esteem is something that you need to feel in control of your life. Uh, if you want to be the kind of person that respects yourself, that uh, you feel love and admiration for who you are, um, you know what you want, you uh, can express your needs and boundaries uh, to others and hold them firmly, um, you can uh, know and feel that your ideas are worth expressing, you know, which is crucial to creativity uh, and crucial to ambitiousness and uh, crucial to uh, being innovative, that your uh, needs are worthy of being met in relationships and friendships, uh, that you're capable of uh, executing your plans, ideas, and goals into action. You're capable of having ideals and living by them, living up to them. Uh, and you're capable of being, yeah, being an ambitious person and reaching your potential, 
your, for example, your productive potential as a human being, all of those things uh, require self-esteem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's true. So, so let's talk about the nature of self-esteem from, from Rand's perspective. So we know that she doesn't think that self-esteem is narcissism. She doesn't think that self-esteem doesn't uh, exist as some people say, but she also doesn't believe that it's something that you're, that you, that, that you're born with. And I think it's very instructive. It's very useful to start by looking at her characters from the novels to see, because they are most of her characters, uh, the positive ones are people of self, of self, of self esteem. So by looking at them, by looking at what they do, how they feel, how they act, we can, we can start grasping her view of self, self esteem. Um, so let's start with the fountainhead uh, and the main character, Howard Rourke. So without any bigger spoilers, uh, the novel starts with Rourke laughing. He's laughing even though he knows that uh, he will quit his school, his university where he studies uh, architecture. Uh, but actually he's, he's not laughing despite that. He's laughing because of that, because he knows that, uh, that those challenges that lie uh, beneath him, uh, lie uh, ahead of him, are something that he will be able to uh, overcome. And so he knows that his decision to quit the school uh, is based on the fact that he is able to uh, continue to grow despite quitting the, the school. Um, and so he knows that even though he's quitting the school, he will be able to build uh, buildings that he loves uh, and build them in his own way. Um, and so we can see that he's confident in his, uh, in his beliefs uh, about himself and, and about his ability to create and to think, right? Um, another example also from The Fountainhead is, and again, I'm trying not to, to spoil it, uh, Rourke has to quit his job as an architect. And he goes to, he needs to work in the quarry. And so from, from a very conventional perspective, uh, he's not very successful, but he does that, uh, very, uh, he, he works there and he's very confident that what he's doing, uh, is actually consistent with his views. And it's, again, it's also based on his thinking on the fact that he is efficacious uh, in his choices. And that in fact, it's consistent with his view of being, of being a builder, of being a someone who creates uh, buildings. Uh, so he's not compromising his principles. Uh, and, and he knows that, that he has this ability to create uh, the life that he wants, but also what's important. Uh, so one thing is that he believes in his ability, but the other thing is that he believes that he is, that, that he deserves that. So all of his actions are really based on those, on those premises. Uh, and he doesn't give up what he loves. Um, so these are just two examples. I think that there are much more from the fountainhead. Uh, but let's take another example from this time from Atlas Schwag. And it's Dagny, uh, Dagny Taggart, uh, one of the first characters that we meet in the novel that we get to know. And from, from the very beginning, we see that she's making very important, um, decisions, uh, and that all her decisions are based on the fact that she knows she understands what needs to be done. And she wants that. Also, again, like Roar, she knows that she deserves uh, what's best for her. Um, and let me give a more concretized example. There's a scene, uh, there's a press conference that Dagny Taggart has with Hank Reardon, another uh, important uh, character. 
uh, and it's at the opening of the jungle line. Uh, and so one of the reporters who's uh, suspicious of weird metal and the whole jungle line asks her, tell me, Miss Taggart, what's going to support a 7,000-ton train on a 3,000-ton bridge? And what does she say? She says, my judgment. And so here I think it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful scene. It's a powerful scene because it shows how much she's confident uh, when it comes to her judgment, how much she's confident. But also, again, the fact that she wants to build a, the jungle line shows that, he, that she believes that she deserves that, that she's worthy of it. And so these few examples are examples of self-esteem. So what do they say? What, what do they show? What do they have in common? They have in common the fact that to have self-esteem is to know that one is able. So you know that your thinking is efficacious uh, and to know that you're worthy of success, that you're worthy of happiness. So we could say that to mean, uh, to say that I have self-esteem is to say that I know I am able to live. I know I am able to work. Uh, I know I am able to create, but also I am worthy of happiness. Uh, that is our, that is my goal uh, that I can achieve by my thinking, by my, by my uh, creating, by my working. Uh, right, I can rely on my thinking. And so now we can, so let me now uh, give you a more kind of formal definition of self-esteem once we know all those examples uh, that we have analyzed, uh, even though briefly. So Rand's definition of self-esteem uh, is as follows. Self-esteem is one's inviolate certainty that his mind is competent to think and his person is worthy of happiness. So again, self-esteem is one's inviolate certainty that his mind is competent to think and his person is worthy of happiness. So I believe that uh, this is what we can see in Howard Rourke and Dagny Taggart, among many other uh, characters that Rand portrays uh, in her novels. So Tristan, maybe now let's talk a little bit what self-esteem is not. Yeah, and um, I just wanted to um, add a little bit about um, just on the definition. I think it's important to to notice those two elements, and that um, she's separating it. That uh, there's an element of you're competent or able uh, to think. You're competent or able to execute. Um, your goals achieve things and that on the other hand you're also uh, you're deserving of the reward of having achieved things you're deserving of happiness you're deserving of success and i think breaking that down or contrasting that rather with uh what it what we don't think it is or what Rand doesn't think it is um is helpful thinking about it in terms of those two different components. So, you know, one core element of it is uh, it's not something that's comparative. It's not based on thinking about yourself with regard to others. And in that definition that we just said, I think that comes out. It's about your, your actual competence to think, right? That's something that's based on your relationship to reality. It's not something that's based on your relationship to the opinions of others, uh, the praise of others, uh, your social status, things like that. Um, and the other thing that's interesting about uh, her definition and her conception is that it, she frames it as one certainty that one's mind is competent to think. So it's 
is a self-evaluation as well. It's not something that you can get from others either. So uh, there's no sense in her view that, you know, the claims or beliefs or praise, um, or indeed the blame of others can replace self-assessment in this crucial regard. Um, they can't give you uh, this kind of self-esteem uh, that she's talking about. That doesn't mean that recognition and visibility aren't, can't be beneficial, and I think they are beneficial and even crucial in relationships and friendships, but that's not what uh, self-esteem is uh, for Rand. And I think that's a confusion that you sometimes see when people talk about it in the culture that, oh, self-esteem is, you know, thinking that you're just as good as everyone else, or that everyone is uh, important, or that you feel, um, you know, you feel good about yourself because you feel good in your community um, and you feel like you're valuable to a community. That's that's not what Rand means by self-esteem. Uh, it's not a comparative assessment. And uh, secondly, uh, and this has already come out a bit, but it, it's because it's a reality-oriented perspective, um, it's not just, just a feeling or just uh, um, like a sense that, or a belief that you are important or a belief that you're efficacious, if that's disconnected from actual evidence or an actual knowledge that you are efficacious. So for example, you know, someone who's um, uh, second-handed, so we, you know, we talked about the Fountainhead a bit. So the character of uh, Peter Keating, who's uh, in terms of social status and fame and wealth, um, you might say is, is very successful in the realm of architecture. But he's also very second-handed. All his standards for his work, uh, for what he cares about, even for how he chooses his relationships, uh, is based on what other people think. And his whole orientation is guided towards uh, receiving praise from others, from trying to hold on to this positive evaluation from others. Um, and in a sense, he, you know, he is successful at achieving his goals in a sort of superficial sense. But in a deeper sense, he, he doesn't have like knowledge of actually being efficacious. Why? Well, because, uh, his whole view of being efficacious is meeting the standards of others, but he's not in control of those standards. Um, those standards aren't things that he personally has firsthandedly agreed with, that he's formulated in his own mind, that he thinks are objective or rational. It's just whatever people want, whatever people value, uh, whatever will make me popular. Um, and so, uh, even though he might feel temporarily efficacious from receiving that kind of praise, um, because it's not a reality-oriented perspective, it's not genuinely self-esteem. And this is the sense in which what you try to use as a standard um, is very is crucial to like whether or not you have self actual self-esteem or not um, from Rantu. And then finally, there's one last um, element, which is that. It's, uh, and this is the other contrast, you know, we, we briefly touched on the idea that, well, self-esteem is uh, recognizing that, you know, everyone has an innate or intrinsic or inherent value. Um, Rand doesn't think that that's what self-esteem is. It's not, it's not some kind of uh, um, automatic or simple recognition of an intrinsic value that you have. It's something that has to be earned and cultivated through continuous effort. Um, so you have to, you know, continually um, act and think purposefully, knowing what you're doing and coordinating your goals and being intentional. And it's about how you use your mind, um, being self-conscious, uh, seeking knowledge, seeking growth, welcoming criticism, uh, learning from mistakes, and so on. And uh, that none of that is something automatic in the sense that you can just, uh, you know, without executive um, action, 
like breathing or something, you know, you, you can't just turn it on or off. You can't just say, oh, I feel good about myself and I'm just going to decide to feel good about myself. And then now you have self-esteem. Um, it's being a kind of certainty, a kind of knowledge uh, that you're competent and that you're worthy of happiness means that you have to prove it to yourself. You need evidence. Um, and that requires continual effort um, and continual action to maintain it. Uh, and the other, I think, contrast you could make here is uh, that it's obviously from Rand's perspective, it's not something that um, you have innately. It's not like people are either born with it or born without it. You know, where some people it's just, oh, well, they have an innate characteristic of um they're more confident they're more bold they're more uh they sense themselves to be more efficacious versus not that's not what uh self-esteem is capturing uh self-esteem is capturing a cognitive evaluation of yourself based on your own actions and it's something that is uh available to everyone to all human beings given that all human beings can uh, ex can exercise um, the kinds of actions and the kinds of choices using their minds that give them. Um, and we'll talk about that more in a bit because that pertains to the sense in which there's a moral dimension around. It's not it's not merely a psychological concept, but it's a moral concept. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to say one more thing about um, like what it's not is that, you know, we talked about a little bit about there's some views out there that, um, or I think we touched on that there are some views out there that it's not healthy or it's bad to have self-esteem. And one way that this comes out is that people conflate or confuse uh, narcissism with self-esteem. Well, narcissism is actually and I, maybe it has come out here by what we've said, is it's actually the opposite of self-esteem, in a sense. It's a evidence of lack of self-esteem. Um, you know, narcissism is understood to be a personality disorder um, where people have an unreasonable sense of their own importance. And it often involves seeking attention from others, seeking admiration from others, um, lacking empathy, uh, towards others, lacking healthy attachment to others. And it's widely understood in psychology that uh, people who have uh, this kind of personality disorder tend to actually be very insecure um, in their own mind. So uh, from Rand's perspective, that has absolutely nothing to do with self-esteem and indeed is the opposite because uh, a person who's narcissistic doesn't actually have this kind of certainty of their own competence and their own um, desert. It's uh, it's rather that they see themselves as being superior to others, but that's just another way of being um, second-handed and just a, a different way than we were talking about with Peter Keating. So uh, we might transition now to like, why do you need it? And I think some of that has come out a bit already. And what we've saying, what we've said, um, at least implicitly, like you might, uh, we might go back to the questions I asked at the beginning, like, do you want to feel in control of your life? Um, do you want to respect yourself and so on? And I think there's a lot more that we can kind of break that down and um, clarify and talk about all the elaborations of that. Because a common view out there, I think, is you know, you can just accept stoically the challenges of life, how life is difficult. Uh, you know, you can accept the fact that it's difficult for life to be meaningful, uh, that life involves a lot of suffering and loss. And look, you can just sort of stoically accept that, stoically accept your duty, um, you know, treat others with dignity and respect, um, commit to self-improvement. And what you might ask, like, why does that any of that require that you love yourself? You know, I think for uh, 
example, you know, I think Jordan Peterson would be an example of someone who would push on this. He would say it actually is the opposite. It requires, you know, a certain amount of uh, humility and a certain, maybe even to some extent, up to a point, obviously, if you feel bad about yourself or you feel miserable about yourself, it can be a motivation to improve yourself, to do better. And you might think this idea that you need to love and admire yourself would actually get in the way of being both being a good person and being efficacious. Now we'll set aside the, the moral part of it until the until a little later. But just sticking to the idea that like we need self-esteem to be efficacious um, and to you know to achieve happiness, like why do we need that? So maybe Zima, you can yeah. say a bit about how would we how would Rand answer that question? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the fundamental uh, difference between Rand's perspective and the perspective that you have just uh, presented, Peterson's perspective or the or the Neo Stoics uh, perspective. I don't think that you can actually achieve happiness uh, by following what they are saying that you should feel bad uh, about yourself, that it's somehow that it should somehow motivate you. Uh, Rand argues that, you, that, that the fundamental reason, the fundamental reason why you need self-esteem, uh, is that it's the only way. It's it's one of the ways. It's it's one of the conditions of happiness, because you need to know that 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 that, that you are able that 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 you are able to work to think that your thinking is uh, efficacious, and that you are deserving that you deserve that uh, happiness. So. So let's think about it, what it would mean not to have it, okay? So um, let's say that you want to formulate some ambitious goals uh, or some vision of a good life. Uh, but how, how would that be possible if you don't believe that you can achieve it? So, in this, so, so again, we've mentioned that, that for Rand, self-esteem has those two uh, components. So one is about being able to think uh, and to act on your thinking. The other is that you deserve it. So the first part here uh, is at play. How can you formulate any goals uh, that you want to achieve if you don't think that you're able to do so, if you don't believe that you can achieve them? Um, you're not, you will not do that. Um, uh, about motivation, so you mentioned, yeah, that maybe it's a good motivation when you feel bad uh, about yourself. Um, but how can you keep up the motivation uh, to pursue uh, those values uh, when things get challenging, right? Or when distractions can uh, arise? Another thing is that um, you want to make the choices uh, that are necessary to achieve your most important values. So let's say that you want to become a doctor or you want to have a family or, or any, any other thing, any other value that is of great importance to you. Let's, but, but, if you don't, but if you don't feel, if you don't think that you deserve it, you will not do it. You will not do it. Um, um, well, another thing is, and it's more derivative, but I also think that it's quite uh, important, uh, that you need to assert your needs and boundaries to uh, others in order to be happy. Uh, but, but how can you do it if you don't respect yourself, if you, don't, if you do not love yourself? Um, also, how can you be creative um, if you don't think that your ideas or your perspective are uh, worth sharing or that you're not even competent to act on your uh, ideas. And so all those things, the, the, the importance of value achievement in life, uh, your career, your productive effort, your creating thinking, all of that uh, depends on your, on your knowledge, your certainty, uh, so Rand says it's certainty uh, that you're able. So uh, this is 
this is a kind of judgment of yourself so you're judging yourself as able so i know that i am able to formulate my values uh to set some goals i am able to do so and i am able to achieve them but i also need to know that i deserve it and so those people who say yeah that you don't need that they are simply undercutting uh i would say the necessary condition of uh of achieving those uh, values uh so let me maybe now uh um let's let's uh read a quote a powerful quote from god's speech um by a feeling he has not learned to identify but has derived from his first uh, awareness of uh, existence from his discovery that he has to make uh, choices man knows that his desperate need of self-esteem is a matter of life or death as a being of volitional consciousness he knows that he must know his own value in order to maintain his own life he knows that he has to be right to be wrong in action means danger to his life to be wrong in person to be evil means to be unfit for uh, existence um so tristan maybe we can now concretize it a little bit um and sh and and try to talk about what does self-esteem uh, affect um and so why don't you start with so we think that there are a lot of values uh that self-esteem uh, affects one of them is work uh so why don't we you uh say something uh, about that yeah and i do want to say just one other thing about that quote is yeah part of what she's stressing there that is you know she puts it as as a being of volitional consciousness um and in all of these domains the the point is that to live a human life and i'll talk about that as how that comes up in work um, in a moment is all in all of these core domains of human life whether it's work relationships um friendships how you acquire knowledge um even how you think about art or how you engage in leisure uh there's always an element of it's up to you like it's up to your choice human values are volitional they need to be uh formulated and indeed created um uh, you know a, rat, a human life has to be created and chosen and pursued by choice and that's that really is what she's highlighting there is that that's the real root of uh the need for self-esteem because we know that our lives are up to our choices so we need to know that we're making the right kinds of choices because we know that there's this alternative that we could be making the wrong kinds of choices the kinds of choices that aren't appropriate to human life the kinds of choices that will not lead to our happiness that will lead to our suffering or our failure and so uh how does this show up for example in in work you mentioned works in what so for example uh how how does having self-esteem affect like your orientation to work well first of all we already mentioned a bit it enables a kind of ambitiousness um why is that well if you think that with what ambition is is seeking high levels of achievement systematically in different areas well you have to have a high confidence or high knowledge that you're efficacious that you're competent and not just competent in the sense that maybe you know you can achieve all of your goals right now but at least but in a more fundamental sense of you can achieve your goals um or you can acquire the skills the knowledge uh the habits etc that will be required to achieve your goals and uh that you can formulate goals that require a lot of effort require a lot of discipline require a lot of commitment that's sort of a way to think about what ambitiousness is you know require a lot of thought and effort 
and might involve a lot of uh, risk taking and failure along the way, but that you're you're capable of doing that, um, and that you deserve uh, to do that because you deserve to achieve like the rewards that come with being ambitious. You know, in terms of uh, whether it's you know being productively successful um, or in a more spiritual sense the finding work that you really love uh, make you know making a lot of uh, money being well, well rewarded and uh, well regarded not just well regarded by people in general but well regarded by people that you independently respect and being recognized uh, being able to um, collaborate with and provide value to people that you respect uh, and being able to engage in yeah the kinds of activities that um, you really enjoy doing and creativeness is another aspect of that so why does creativeness require self-esteem well we already talked about it a little bit that if you don't think that you your ideas that you come up with are worth expressing if you don't think you're good at coming up with ideas if you don't think you're good at acting on ideas that's going to be a huge uh, inhibitor of your ability to be creative um, i'm understanding creativity here as uh, an orientation towards creating new values new values that are appropriate to the kind of domain that you're working in which is typically how psychologists understand it and uh, that's a kind of self-expression because, uh, and it's also risky um, because it means you're putting yourself on the line. You're putting ideas that are, you know, relatively unique to you uh, and saying, look, I think these are worth trying out. I think these are worth expressing, whether it's in, you know, because I think creativity goes beyond just art, but whether it's just in the realm of art where it's, you have, uh, musical or uh, ideas in painting that you think are worth expressing, or whether it's in uh, you know the realm of business that you have uh, innovative business ideas that you think are worth expressing, worth taking a risk on, and you trust yourself to do it, and you think, oh yeah, I'm these ideas that I come up with in my head are worthy of being explored, or whether it's in like a scientific or academic domain where it might be a new way of thinking about a certain concept or a certain topic that that's worth doing. Um, all of that requires uh, self-esteem. And uh, as you said before, Zima, I think for people who are ambitious and want to be uh, uh, creative in their work, it requires persistent motivation, not giving up, and um, it requires being ready to seek challenges and growth. And if you don't think you're able to do that, if you don't think you're able to stick to those goals, if you don't think you're able to achieve um, difficult goals, and if you don't think you deserve the success that will come from that, you're not going to be able to have the ambitiousness and creativity uh, that being successful in work requires. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it's it's actually pretty, it's pretty easy to find people like that. Uh, sometimes there are, I know people who are able, I don't know if they believe that they are able, but they definitely don't, don't believe that they, that they deserve it. Uh, they don't think that they deserve pursuing a career that they love. And instead uh, they choose something that is, that they do something that is chosen uh, usually by their parents or sometimes it's the some cultural uh, pressure, and it's also uh, one of the consequences of not having self uh, self uh, esteem. So now let's talk about self esteem in re in relationships. And the, probably the first thing to say is that having self esteem means that uh, you will surround yourself with not with people. Uh, who will admire you uh, or people that you want to uh, like pretend that 
that you that you are someone else, and that because of that they will uh, say nice things uh, about you. But you will but you will actually want to surround yourself with people who are worthy of your respect on their own, not because they are some instruments to uh, feed your pseudo self esteem. And I think uh, here uh, again, like we you you've mentioned before, uh, the example of Peter uh, Keating. So he wants to be surrounded by people uh, who will praise him, uh, and someone who has self esteem, someone who believes uh, in his own worth and his own efficacy. He believes that that he's capable. Will not do that. He will not want people who will just say nice things uh, just because. Uh, and and uh, again, in the Fountainhead, it would be Howard Rourke. So like, compare. It's it's very instrumental. It's it's very useful to compare uh, the kind of people that Peter Keating surrounds himself with, and the kind of people that Howard Rourke uh, chooses. Uh, and so Howard Rourke chooses people that are independent. Uh, people that respect themselves, uh, and yeah, like they respect work as well. And I think that you've mentioned that uh, that that even though it is fundamentally my own judgment uh, that I am worthy, that that I am capable, uh, it is it is important that other people can also see that. But the difference is that my self-worth um, and my confidence doesn't come from their judgment. Uh, it's more like I am recognizing that their judgment is rational, that they see my virtues, they see my, my, my merits, and based on that, they, they respect me. Um, and so I want to be with people who are first-handed in their own uh, thinking. Um, and it also, so the other point that is strictly related to that is that if you have self-esteem, your attachment will be healthy. It will be healthy because it will be based on mutual respect. Again, so not on the fact that you're pretending to be someone else and you want to be praised by that other uh, people. And in this case, uh, in case of Peter, it's not like Peter Keating really cares about those people. It's not like those people are a value to him. They are not. It's very difficult, or I would say it's even impossible if you don't have self-esteem at all, it's impossible to value other people. Because you will not be choosing people based on their actual virtues. You will most likely end up well, we'll talk about that maybe uh, in a couple of, in a couple of minutes. And the last thing that I wanted to add when it comes to self-esteem and relationships, and we've mentioned that, is that because you respect yourself, you love yourself, you know you know your worth, you know your capacity to think and to live, to 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 act in the world. You will be able to say to someone uh, that his behavior is off, that there's something wrong with the way that you treat me. And I've seen a lot of people who don't say that, who don't set any boundaries uh, because they don't believe in themselves. And they, 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 are, they sometimes know that. And they would say, yeah, I, I, I don't deserve it. They will literally say that. Uh, and so they are, in a way, sometimes intentionally allowing other people uh, to step on them, if you will. Of course, it doesn't have to be, in, to be uh, intentional. But the main point is, if you have self-esteem, uh, you will not let other people mistreat you. Um, and you will be, it would be natural for you to stand up for yourself, but also, and it's also important, um, sometimes people 
uh, even people you like or respect, they might say some things that belittle you. Like uh, someone might say that, yeah, you are not a good person uh, and like you're not, you're not able, you're not worthy uh, to stick to those terms. Uh, and if you know your actual worth, so assuming that you have that, that you're that that you have actual self-esteem so again it's not like it's not something that you choose by will that or is just a feeling um but if you if you have an actual real self-esteem which means that you have evidence to believe in yourself in your thinking and and believe that that you're worth that you're worthy uh it will not bother you it will not bother you because you know that that person's judgment uh, is not rational, it's not uh, objective. Um, and so again, like, I, I, I think it's very useful, again, to um, take a look to, for those of you who have read The Funnel Head, uh, think about the difference between uh, Rourke's approach to people and his friends and Peter uh, Kittings. Um, Tristan, would you like to add something to this point? Uh, I would just, yeah, I would just add quickly uh, another contrast. You know, we've been talking about secondhandedness, um, and Keating is obviously an extreme example of that. Um, but another, probably more common contrast as well, um, is uh, people who have depression and make self-destructive choices because they don't think they, they deserve any better. Um, so, you know, speaking for myself, um, I had depression uh, at one point in my life or around the time I was in college. Um, and I would, you know, choose to be around people or accept being around people that I didn't really have a lot of respect for. I didn't necessarily think were good people. I didn't think they were people that were, um, you know, making me into a better person. If anything, it was reinforcing bad habits. And I was accepting my bad habits by being around them. Uh, so I was kind of like lowering my standard of how I wanted to live. And being around people I didn't respect kind of fit that. You know, it, it's, it's sort of commonly known in psychology that um, people surround themselves with people that share their sort of levels of self-esteem. And if you have low self-esteem, you're going to surround yourself with people who have low self-esteem. And it's very difficult for people with low self-esteem to be around people who do respect themselves and do really love themselves and see themselves as very efficacious because, you know, that contrast is very visceral. Um, but to get out of that, you have to... Uh, you have to develop self-esteem and you have to de develop the idea that you deserve better and you deserve to be around better people, or at least you can earn that dessert. Um, so yeah, depression would be another uh, big contrast um, where, yeah, clearly that can also apply both to really, that can also apply both to relationships and work. The moral dimension of self-esteem, I think we've talked about that a little bit, uh, but I think probably for a lot of people who aren't familiar uh, with Rand's work or are only somewhat familiar with it, the idea of self-esteem being a moral value or having a moral dimension uh, is going to be, you know, an, an unusual framing. Um, yeah, so... So, yeah. Yeah, so why don't you, so, okay, so, so actually one more thing about that, the last contrast that you mentioned, uh, about depression, about anxiety, uh, one of the problems is that people reinforce the idea that, that they don't deserve by hanging out basically with people who are the same. Uh, and there's also this tendency when you are depressed or when you have anxiety uh, that you're not actively thinking that, that you're not being objective. You're, you're not being, ob because people 
So I'm not talking now about like clinical depression uh, when you can't even like get up in the in the in the morning. But most of people who have depression uh, are people who are able and who usually do function in in society and they go to work or they study, etc. Um, but the problem is one of the problems is that they are not actively thinking. And we'll move to that. They are not actively thinking about their actual achievements. And so they are not seeing their, their own worth uh, when they actually achieve uh, something. Uh, and there's also the quite well-known, especially for people in uh, academia, imposter uh, syndrome. It's a syndrome uh, that people who have that they believe that everything they have achieved, they achieved, uh, they don't deserve it. They basically don't deserve it. They're not good uh, enough that it was just luck, uh, that it just happened uh, somehow. Uh, and they are imposters, right? Quote, uh, unquote, because they are un un unintentionally pretending that they are capable and that they are wor worthy. Uh, Whereas inside they feel that they are not capable, uh, so they don't see their own achievements, and that they are not, and because of that they are not worthy. So let's move to the uh, to the moral dimension. So maybe Tristan, why don't you tell us a few things about Rand's approach to morality? Yeah, and so. This is a huge topic, you know, and uh, I think Mears really sketched a little bit about why she thinks it's a moral issue, like why she thinks self-esteem is a moral issue, uh, and a little bit about her the way her distinctive approach to morality enables um, or underwrites her view of self-esteem. Uh, so for Rand, morality is... Uh, a code of values that guides man's and choices, man's choices and actions, excuse me, the choices and actions that determine the purpose and the course of his life. Ethics as a science deals with discovering and defining such a code. That's from uh, Galt's speech. So uh, morality is about things that are fundamentally under your control and fundamentally guide um, the deepest or most abstract values um, that will guide your life. So it's not about are you friends with this person or that person, or what kind of job do you have, or where do you live, or um, what do you do in your free time. It's about what are the more fundamental um, things that are important. Like, um, and self-esteem for her is uh, well, Zima. Can you say uh, a bit about like? what she means by self-esteem being a moral value here like why why is it moral in this sense um that we've just yeah i mean define morality yeah yeah sure sure so so it is moral because well first of all as we've said and so so morality has been implicit in everything that we've been saying so far part of it is because self-esteem is related to happiness which is your your moral goal in life, uh, so it's so it's the most basic sense in which self-esteem uh, is related to morality. But the other is that self-esteem is something that shapes your character, like shapes your approach towards yourself, towards life, uh, towards your uh, actions. Um, so uh, and. And that is why for Rand, self-esteem is a moral value. And for Rand, moral values require something. They require, like, like every other value, like all values require cer certain means. You need to achieve them somehow. And when it comes to moral values, uh, you need the virtues. You need the principles which you have to follow in order to achieve those values. And in the case of self-esteem, Rand says what that principle, what that virtue is. And that is the virtue of pride. 
the virtue of pride. Um, so let me say if, very briefly, what is pride? Because a whole analysis of the virtue of pride, uh, it, it's for another, I think, uh, episode. But very briefly, the virtue of pride is about creating your own moral character uh, and in the objectivist uh, ethics, which is the first essay in The Virtue of Selfishness, Rand calls pride moral ambitiousness. And so we've talked about ambitiousness in work, uh, but here, when we enter the, the, the more kind of moral realm, if you will, uh, she talks about ambitiousness uh, in, the, in morality. Uh, so pride means that you're uh, ambitious when it comes to being moral. But in practice, in practice, it means uh, that to, to, to follow, to practice the virtue of pride, it means a consistent effort to be the best possible moral version of yourself. Um, so now we can think, uh, how can we connect that to achieving self-esteem? Uh, so as I said, to achieve self-esteem, Brown believes that we need to practice the virtue of pride. Uh, we need to aspire to be morally perfect. Thus, her praise moral uh, ambitiousness. And so I would say that first and, for and foremost, we need to follow reason. And I think it was implicit in what we were saying about self-esteem, uh, that part of it is your certainty that you're able to think and to act on your thinking. And so it's not just thinking about a particular goal that you want to achieve, although that's important, but it's thinking about the fact that you are able to, to uh, think. So, so, so there's this kind of uh, self-conscious level uh, on which you are thinking about your own uh, abilities. Um, and for Rand, I, I would add to, I would add to Zemo that for Rand, thinking isn't just, you know, you have an idea about something or you have, you know, you just have a goal um, and then you just envision it. As you said, that's important. It's also, how do you integrate things together? Um, how are you uh, conceptualizing things? Do you, do you allow yourself to have ideas that are fuzzy or cloudy in your mind, or do you clarify them with definitions? Do you clarify like how they relate to the world that you see around you? Uh, do you, you know, when you get a new piece of information, do you try to integrate it with other things that you know? Do you keep your knowledge in um, a hierarchical system where you know like what's, what's more fundamental or what's essential here, and you don't allow yourself uh, to be prejudiced by feelings or by unanalyzed ideas or emotions. So it's, thinking is a very uh, deep and, and actually ambitious uh, task for Rand here as well. So I think um, that's an important element too. And that's how you can get, prove to yourself that you have uh, this kind of competence that you, ha you have the competence to think is because you're engaged in this systematic um, activity. Yeah, and but yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely true. And the other thing is that because pride is about moral ambitiousness, uh, it's about trying and achieving the moral ideal in your own life it means that to practice it and thus to achieve self-esteem, uh, you need to follow the right moral principles because pride is also about creating your own character. And so, so it's also related to self-esteem. That is why it's so fundamental. That is why self-esteem is a moral value because it's, uh, it's in a way the effect of your practicing uh, the moral principles that shape your character, 
uh, and that you know that you are being moral, that you know that you're following those uh, principles and, and, and uh, in a way you want them to be your second nature. Um, and by contrast, so, so there's a contrast, which I think is, is important. And so let me just mention two things. So one is that obviously uh, following practice, practicing the virtue of pride means that you're not accepting guilt that is not, that is unearned. Um, but maybe more even fundamentally, following the virtue of pride means that you are not accepting moralities that require rational values or virtues or moralities that that tell you that you are not worthy that that the that the inherent part of those moralities is that you are not worthy of happiness that you don't deserve happiness here on uh, earth and in this uh and when it comes to this point i think hank reardon from athens Shrek, uh, as a great example of someone who's on the one hand very confident and in one realm so he he he's definitely confident when it comes to his work loves his work he knows that he loves it uh and and he he's achieving great values uh in his work um but there's there's a problem there's some conflict within him because he feels worthless in the spiritual or moral realm and why is that it's because uh it's because at least uh in the first part of the novel uh when we when we get to know him uh he's accepting the conventional mor the conventional moralities that that tell him that that he shouldn't strive to be perfect that he shouldn't live for uh, himself. And that I think is a huge, huge impact on his self-esteem, uh, which fundamentally, I don't think that he really has it in the beginning, or if he has it, it's, it's very, very partial. Um, the virtue of pride is the virtue of being virtuous, is, is thinking about implementing moral principles in your life. And so, uh, when we go back to our definition of self-esteem uh, and those two parts, one part is that you're able to think and act on your thinking, like you're seeing your, that, that you're uh, efficacious, right? Uh, and in, in terms of, in, in, in case of the virtue of pride, you're seeing yourself as acting morally, as applying the moral principles in your life. That's crucial. Uh, and the other thing that because you are doing that, you know that that you deserve happiness, uh, that you deserve to be uh, happy, that you're worthy. So uh, let's wrap up um, and let's, uh, well, we don't have any more time today. So now let's go to, we have one resource uh, that we'd like to recommend. Uh, so apart from Rand's novels that we have uh, discussed, uh, that is The Fountainhead and uh, Atlas Shrugged, we recommend uh, reading uh, Elan Giorno's short uh, article, Why So Many People Struggle uh, to Gain uh, Self-Esteem. Uh, and we have an announcement. Um, an announcement, so for if you're a current or recent student, uh, between 18 to 25 years old, you can download a free digital copy of uh, Atlas Shrugged. Um, so uh, you can download your free copy. You can share it with friends and uh, family. Uh, so link is in the chat and the and in the episode description. Um, so just a few words about Atlas Shrugged. Uh, if you haven't read it yet. It's a story about a dystopian world where society is crumbling, uh, but no one knows why. And so, and 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 also the best and brightest businessmen 
inventors, artists, and scientists are mysteriously disappearing without a trace. Uh, and so you will meet in that novel a relentless business uh, woman, a philosophical pirate, and a mysterious playboy. Uh, and ask, and you will ask the biggest question of them all: Who is John uh, Galt? Um, and so the link to that is rb.gy/9eup. Um, okay. And so for next week's show, uh, join Onkar Gate and Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Uh, they will be talking about the documentary. What is a woman and conservatives' obsession with trans? Also, please send us your questions for future Q&A uh, episodes that we have from time uh, to time. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Click the bell to get notifications uh, for when we go live or when we post new uh, recordings. Uh, and if you're watching the recording, please like comment on it or share the episode uh, to help attract new uh, viewers. Uh, also, uh, if you're watching us on Facebook, consider doing the same. Um, and lastly, if you have questions or comments about today's episodes or you have suggestions for future uh, episodes, please send us an email at newideal at anwant.org. We read all of your emails and reply to many of them. Uh, so Tristan, thanks a lot for uh, today. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, share with a friend, and subscribe to our other podcasts. This podcast was made possible by donors to the Ayn Rand Institute. Help support this podcast by becoming an ARI member. Go to aynrand.org forward slash membership.